Beers and Banter, episode 22. We're here with the reigning, defending Australian Superbike champion, Troy Herfoss. Let's rip in. Well, Troy, thank you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Welcome. Uh, we actually call this place the Sweaty Box. It's it's not too bad this afternoon, but uh, in, in the summer months, it gets quite warm in here. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no worries. I'm, d- I'm just down the road in Varsity, and it's the same in my garage, so all good. Nice and warm. <laughs> Dilsey, how's You're the weekend? Ready, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Good, good. How are you? Troy, how are you, mate? Thanks for coming along. Thanks Gr- for having Groundhog me. Day, no sleep again for the weekend. Yeah, it seems to be a common theme at the moment, doesn't it? Now I know how Fatty Finn, do you remember Fatty Finn when we were kids? No, I've no. lost his already. No. He used to. He used to. Your listen, namesake wasn't he, it? He was. Yeah, he used to listen to uh, Don Bradman on the uh, Crystal set. It was a movie. It's a good movie. Look it up. Good story. Anyway, uh, yeah, late nights. I lost a bit of sleep last night, only to be heart ripped out at about one fifteen this morning when they got the runs. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I I seen a bit of a recap, but um, don't follow the cricket all the time, but. Very, very disappointing to see we lost him. It sort of had it in our hands, really, didn't we? They did. Oh, I, I don't know. I kept falling asleep and kept waking back up again. And every time I did, we'd be, we'd have got a couple more wickets. And I thought, oh, yeah, we're going to get him here. We're going to get him. And then I think they were about nine for and still had 70-odd runs. Yeah, 78 to I go. I thought, we got him. Yeah. And then I woke back up and then and they were, that was that decision they couldn't review. They'd, they'd wasted their review on a nothing and then – couldn't review the actual what was actually out, and which that's a blight on cricket when the whole world can see it's out, it should be out. Oh well, they're, technically they're out of review, so we can't give it out. But I, I actually heard later on today that um, Tim Payne's come out as captain and said that he takes full responsibility for. Obviously, he's the one that appeals the decision. Yeah. So he went upstairs an over or two overs earlier um, when it was going down leg side, and I think it was just a wild throw at the stumps. To be honest, it was never out, but. Obviously, he burnt that last um, review. Yeah. And then, as it turns out, Lyons was, you know, in the replay, it was plum LBW. Apologies. Massive oversight on my part. You guys want a beer? Absolutely. I'd love one, thanks. Can't believe it took this long to to uh, get them out, Red. But, yeah, so I think, um, you know, disappointing for Australia. They uh, And you hear some of the comments from the experts and the commentators around the world. They're saying that the innings by Stokes was... You know, one of the all-time greatest innings. It's one of the greatest test matches of all time. What about the stand by the uh, the tail ender? Yeah, I mean that was he, a seventy partnership, and I think he made one. I don't, yeah, he might have made a single year towards yeah, the end there. Yeah, right uh, near the end. Um, but you know, from those seventy-eight runs, I think he only faced about fourteen deliveries. Stokes just, you know, obviously when it got to that ninth wicket, Stokes went for broke, and it was unbelievable. It was. That, it scares me that maybe that's woken up the English and we could be in trouble now, but um, certainly certainly makes it exciting. We won't dwell on that. We, we do have a uh, super guest in the uh, in in the studio tonight. A little bit of footy though. It was a big weekend. It was, yeah. Um, obviously, getting closer and closer to the finals. It's the AFL now. It's got one week. Uh, they got to buy this week before the finals, but NRL still two rounds to go. Pro- um, probably the best effort we've seen out of the Titans for. Since since the new coach yeah, took over, yeah, I mean the first half was obviously good. They led at half time. Um, I think the best part, and I was talking to someone earlier about it, a mate in Sydney was saying that to see that chase down from Sammy at the end of the game, 
when the game's dead and buried, to actually put in an effort like that and was a 70 or 80 metre chase and, and save a try was... 100%. That was what's been missing from the team all year, that, yeah. that 1% play where... You know, plenty of guys would have given up. Could have easily stopped running. So, I mean, that especially was especially when, too. especially when you're chasing the alleged fastest man in the game and you're mowing down. That's a pretty good effort. Yeah, and yeah, as a punter, it would have cost a lot of people around the country money because Melbourne not scoring the try saved Melbourne from obviously winning with the start. So, it was uh, yeah, a punter's nightmare. Put that. ten bucks back in my pocket, actually. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, there was apparently there's a bloke put two hundred grand on the Storm to win to make. Was he make ten grand back or something ridiculous? Oh. Would have been shitting himself at half time. I reckon he would have been, but bit bit nervous. What but about yeah. Lions? Yeah, so Lions obviously on the back of nine in a row went down to Melbourne to play Richmond. I watched that uh, first game. First game I've watched all year. Yeah, I mean they, they weren't they weren't completely embarrassed. They were beaten. They were down four or five goals at quarter time. I think that's what the the end result was. So they held their own the last three quarters, but I think Richmond. Uh, Richmond are probably the form team of the comp heading into finals. Um, those two actually play again in a couple but of weeks. The, Lion, the Lions have edged them out to keep the home final. Though. They have, yeah. So Brisbane will host Richmond in two like weeks' a, time. It was like a goal in it or something, but a couple of goals. Yeah, I don't know the exact. It would have, yeah, it would have come down to percentage. Um, yeah, so Geelong finished top. They win the minor premiership. Sort of steal it from Brisbane at the at the at the death. Um, but interesting to see that they've got to go to the MCG. Geelong do. Geelong, although they've finished minor premiers and entitled to a home final, they've got to go to the MCG to play Collingwood. Yeah, right. Eh? Which is a bit unfair, but um, MCG have always had this clause that they've got to play, I think, at least one final each weekend at the yeah, right, MCG. Eh? That'll be Part filthy. of their agreement. So hopefully um, Collingwood supporters won't like hearing this, but hopefully Geelong go and belt them just to... to uh, so stamp their authority that they are the best team in the comp for the home and away season. What about this? You follow any of the basketball? Did you see that on the weekend? The, the Aussie Boomers have beaten the Dream Team for the first time, well, first time in about seventy years for the Aussies, and it's some phenomenal win streak that they've ended of of, uh, of the Dream Team. So phenomenal. yeah, it was obviously an awesome, you know, and the Boomers were full strength. You know, we had pretty much everyone. That plays NBA except for, was, except for Simmons. Except for Simmons, uh, but everyone else that plays NBA played in this exhibition, and it's funny like everyone calls it the dream team, yeah, because USA has always been known as a dream team. But you know the guys that came out in the squad probably not even in the top, not the dream twenty team. NBA players. Do you reckon there's a reshuffle before they get to the the world champs now? Oh no doubt, yeah. I, I'd imagine there'll be a few come in, um, but yeah, good for the Boomers, good for basketball in Australia. Um, I don't think we can challenge it when we get to the World Cup, but at least we'll go there with a little bit of confidence have now. Some, have some faith. I'm, I'm getting on board. Uh, last one before we get into the, into the motorbikes, golf. Big weekend for them. Yeah, so the season, the, the PGA Tour season is now finished with the FedEx um, winding up this morning. Rory McIlroy uh, outlasted. So it was a bit of a different format this year. They all started on a set score um, relative to where they'd finished for the year up until this point. The leader, Justin Thomas, started at 10 under and then scaled back down to that for the top 30. And, yeah, McElroy finished on top. So it took home $15 million in prize money. Should keep him going for a little bit longer. Not a bad idea. A bit like Superbikes, isn't it? Yeah, just like it. <laughs> um, yeah, so That's probably a race, to probably a tough year for him and, and not being able to stick it to Tiger last year. 
Yeah, I mean he's had he's had a good year. Obviously hasn't won a major, which a guy of his um, talent is is now trying to win majors. So he hasn't achieved that this year, but you know, he's won a couple of times and now won the FedEx. It's it's a pretty good year. Fifteen mil's not bad. Fifteen million will keep him happy. Yeah. Um, Adam was or Scotty was top Australian. I think he finished sixth for the year. He's so. had a pretty solid year. Yeah, not too bad. Again, you know, he's obviously now it's all about majors for him and the big tournaments. But yeah, he's played solid. Um, finished out, finished off with the best round of the day today to sneak up into sixth. So he'll take home a bit of change as well. Yeah, righto. Got anything else? Uh, that's about it. I think we'd rip into while we're here. Yeah, we've we've raced through that section because really no one's interested this week. We're here to, here to talk to Troy. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, three-time Australian Superbike champion, 2015, 2016 and 2018. Yeah. Sitting fourth for this year. Yeah. How, how are you tracking? How, what, what, are you, what are your projections for this year? Uh, it's been a, a bit of a different start of the year for us. We had a little bit of bad luck and um, a few little mistakes from me and... Uh, and just everyone's everyone's trying to run me down. Last year was probably, I think, I think on paper it was the most successful year by by one rider or team. Yeah. And um, we we sort of we we done it easy really on, on paper. Um, the, the races were hard, but the the results say we done it pretty easy. Uh, this year it feels like everyone's just stepped their game up. So um, all the manufacturers are, are doing well. Uh, no one's had too much bad luck at the moment. Yeah. So there's really Six of us that are a realis- very realistic chance of winning. Yeah, righto. So the next round's down in Winton in Victoria. That's three to go. And it's sort of getting to that point now where someone's got to sort of grab it and, and go with it. So hopefully it's me. <laughs> Good stuff. So so in fourth, how far behind, currently behind the leader? So 25 points for a win. Uh, there's six races to go. And I'm only 15 points off the lead. Okay. So close, so top four within 15. Yeah, I think um, even fifth and sixth are within one race. So, yeah, within 25 points. So when when you've got that number one plate on, I'm sure it makes you a bit of a target. Uh, it does make things a bit harder, like um, qualifying and stuff like that. We all, it's sort of a bit like a push bike race sometimes. You're out look, looking for a, a toe, looking for someone to follow. And if you're the number one guy, everyone's sort of wanting to follow wanting to follow me. So For sure. Um, yeah, obviously... When I'm racing against the number one, they've got a target on their back, according to me too. So uh, it's just the way it is in any sport. I think everyone everyone gets to the top, and that's sort of hard. And then it's even harder to stay in the lead. A lot of champions say that, don't they? That's it's yeah. the, the hardest one is the second one. Yeah. yeah. So so before we dive more into your career, for those that are listening, and, and obviously us, Matt and I, are not massive bike followers, but We're where does novices? Where does Superbike? fit as far as obviously you see the moto gps and the you know the different i suppose levels where does superbike fit in amongst or what's the difference between superbike and moto gp for example yeah the the, the easiest way to explain because mo- most people are familiar with v8 supercars um v8 supercars are, is a superbike and a formula one's a moto gp bike so although the bikes look the same, uh, the MotoGP bike and a, and a world superbike or an Australian superbike, yep. they're so different, it's unimaginable. Um, so the MotoGP bike's a complete prototype bike. Yep. Uh, you can't buy the parts on that bike. And the world superbike and Australian superbikes, uh, they're all based on a production bike. So um, they've all got parts on them that we can go and buy. Yeah, right. So so Philip Island, for example, what what is what does your bike get up to down the back straight at Phillip Island? Um, 
the it was funny. I, I had a, a mate of mine who runs the Ducati team was just down there, down there the other day, and he sent me a screenshot of his bike at the end of the straight, and the speed trap was 316k an hour, which is crazy for us. But um, generally, we always hit somewhere around 300 to 305. Um, the MotoGP bikes will always hit between sort of 335 and 340. Still fast enough, isn't it, on two wheels? That's phenomenal. Yeah, I, I can't imagine an extra 20k an hour. Oh. feel too much different. <laughs> I'm still shitting myself at <laughs> 305. What I was going to ask you is, what if you, anything with two wheels, you seem to be uh, pretty pretty handy, whether it's the, the uh, was it the Troy Bayless Challenge? Is that like a dirt, mixture of a dirt and a yep. tarmac? That, that, yeah, that's just dirt track. And then yep. I've done some tarmac and dirt yep. combination and... I think I've just always been an all-rounder. Um, I don't know. I, I just love riding a bike to the the best I can. So, I love competing. So what I was going to ask you is, what's more dangerous, riding a super bike or riding a pushy around the around the streets of the Gold Coast? Uh, definitely the push bikes. <laughs> more dangerous. Like a, I see some people on the road and think, no wonder we're getting abused. Like <laughs> people ride in the middle of the road everywhere, and yeah. no no road sense. Oh, it's it's frustrating. Now I, I saw a result too. You, you, you're shaking up the bike riding, the well, the, push, the cycling world. You, you've you've turned up at a race unannounced and and won it. Is that is that looking at it too simply? Or a couple of things I saw. Basically, you've you've come from nowhere and beat some pros in in a in a in a race. Yeah, a, a few t- every year I I get as fit as I can yep. around Christmas and I do the national championship. Um, a couple of years ago I I didn't win it, um, but I I was. I was just a nobody there and yep. um, had a really good day. Uh, it's a it's a 10k circuit, yeah, 180k, so 18 laps, and um, I got caught 9k to go. Oh no! I was in the breakaway all day, and then I left the breakaway and I was on my own. And um, all the pros swept up, swept me up in the last few k, and I ended up finishing um, sort of in the bunch. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a big day, and it I gained a bit of bit of talk around the cycling world and I was the, the guy in the black kit and no one <laughs> no one had heard of but yeah so that was pretty cool. Is there more ambition there to, to, to give that more of a nudge or is it just purely uh you know a hobby or a you know a fitness thing that you like to enjoy or uh, it's it's a real passion for yep. me. If I was if I was ten years younger and if I was twenty years old I'd I'd definitely um be keen to yep. see where where I could go. Just because I the thing that drew me to it was coming from super bikes is like I rely on my team and my bike a lot. Mm. Uh, it's a sport where if you don't have a, a good set of tyres and a good engine and a good team around you, uh, you really struggle. Uh, whereas the push bike, I got it. I got onto it to get fit, and and I realised, geez, my on my own engine here, I, like I can do as good as I want to do. It's all up to and, you. Yeah, so that's what sort of drew me to it, to competing on the push bike, is that the fact that your own your own engine, you you can control your destiny a little bit. But um, and then I met Emily, my now wife. Uh, I met her um, at a bike race, and she's really competitive too. So we're just always riding and racing now. So whenever I'm not on the motorbike, I'm on the push bike. Fair enough. <laughs> so let's let's go back to as a kid. What obviously grew up in Goulburn. What what got you into bikes? Did you have a property down there, or is it just as a kid you're always on a bike? Yeah, I my dad loves loves dirt bikes, and um. I think I, the story goes I was at, at the racetrack four weekends out of the first six weeks I was alive. So, yeah, <laughs> da, Dad was just always um, had, riding motocross. Yeah, had no chance. Yeah, had no <laughs> chance. And, yeah, and growing up in Goulburn, a small country town, um, every weekend you, you're trying to get out and ride. And uh, we had a little 
um, or a big property, 100 acres, which in Goulburn isn't isn't that big really. But um, so I was riding my bike around every weekend. Um, didn't compete heaps when I was a kid. I just wanted to ride everywhere really, motocross and enduro and dirt track and um, yeah, sort of realised I I had a, a bit of speed and Dad started taking me away to the races a bit and and then um, the problem was when I turned 16, I I I couldn't pick which discipline I wanted to do. I just wanted to be an all rounder. Yeah. But um, Dad was always at me to not be, don't be good at everything. Be great <laughs> one thing. Yeah, I'm glad I, I picked the road racing. It's a lot of fun. And you're, and you're killing it. So a bit of a theme on 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 the podcast is is the Gold Coast. We we obviously we're mad Titans fans, but more so you know Gold Gold Coast athletes. And we spoke about it a little bit before we started recording. Is the Gold Coast is full of world class athletes, and and a lot of people probably don't even know when they walk past them down the street that they're they're you know whether it's John Wayne Parr or yourself or you know all these different athletes that have um, you know triathletes and swimmers that are that are based here on the Gold Coast, yet. We always talk about how our footy teams can't can't make it here on the Gold Coast. But wh- how did you end up from Goulburn to the Gold Coast, and what what drew you to the Gold Coast as, as an athlete? Yeah, when I was a kid, I when I was old enough to drive and and I look after myself a bit. Um, it just just the climate, and there was a lot of people um, doing stuff. It was easy to go and get fit because um, people were just out, outside riding their bikes, and yep. there's a few tracks for the motocross bike around here, and um, and just the climate coming from Goulburn in winter, uh, it, you've really got to want to be out there. <laughs> and, and that's one thing I've noticed. And I always, I always not being, a, I'm not a massive football fan, but I do wonder why, why aren't they doing that good? Um, and, and I've noticed over the last four or five years living here, like winter now, I, I think that it's a bit tough. <laughs> and like, I just got married. Climatized. Yeah, I, I just got married and all my friends and family come up from Goulburn and it's winter, it's cold in the mornings. And they're out in the ro- on the bike with their summer kit on, absolutely frothing off it. And I think <laughs> to myself, maybe we just all go soft up here because we, we get used to how great it get is. Get spoiled. And Definitely. And we're way too spoiled. Yeah. But um Ugg boots come out. Yeah. <laughs> if it's not if it dips below twenty three degrees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but in all warmest. seriousness, the Gold Coast is it's just the perfect training ground. That hot humid- humidity, it's great for training in. It, it really helps you when you travel away and, and the games are tough and, and the races are tough and yeah. and we've got all the facilities we need. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to understand why they do struggle really, but um, I don't know. The, the little I know about footy, it seems like um, a lot of the, the good AFL players are from down south and, and there's not many born and bred here. Yeah. And that may be hard... I mean, I know in the mo- on the motorbike, um, you know, going overseas for a year when I was younger, it was it was really hard, not being at home. So maybe, yeah. maybe that's one thing we need more born and bred um, Gold Coasters, so they're they're at home training rather than uh, being away. Because it doesn't matter how great the climate is, if your friends and family are at home, then you're going to miss. Yeah, them. and that's always been an issue, even with Brisbane Lions as well. They've always had that go home factor that it's they get these young kids up, they're 17, 18 coming into the AFL system and. Yeah, after eighteen months, two years, they they want to go home. They want to play. You know, they miss their family and their friends and stuff like that. So it's always been hard to keep them. But well, C- Canberra struggled with that for a long time. I remember guys had. I I guess league's the opposite though. There's there's a lot of league guys here on the coast and and Brisbane, but we used to lose them all. Yeah. But I know Canberra used to struggle to keep young kids because you imagine moving from the Gold Coast oh. and, and landing in Canberra. Yeah, you, I mean, I'm you'd be on the next minutes, flight yeah, home. Yeah, I was. Fi- I'm fifty minutes from Canberra, so. 
I think Jared Croker was the year below me, and, yeah, and Toddy was the in my year. Um, Todd Carney, so he he was he went to a different school than I did, but he, I always you know followed followed their careers and yeah. And that, I mean, they they were fine in Canberra, and Jared's fine in Canberra, but he comes from Goulburn, so <laughs> he's probably happy as Larry there. And I think they've now started just they've, they've changed their attack and their recruiting poms. Yeah, <laughs> I feel well, right at home. Yeah. They're definitely going to love it there. So, so is your obviously you're based on the Gold Coast. Is your team Gold Coast based, or when you do training on the bike, are you do you have to go elsewhere for that? Yeah, my my team's in Melbourne. Um, motorbike, the motorbike, the sport of motorbike racing is it's a bit different. I don't have to be at a structured training. Um, place every day. Um, I guess they put their faith in me to to be fit yep. and ready on race day. And and motorbike racing being such an expensive sport, we don't actually ride the bike that much. I just done two days down in Winton um, for the race in two weeks. Yeah. And generally we do that. Yeah, two weeks out we'll do a couple of days on the race bikes, and then it's up to me to go and ride the dirt bike or or something else. Um, so I, I'm just a little bit of light gym work and and mainly a lot of cardio work. Um, is what I'm generally doing. So, look past the end of 2019. Hopefully, win it again. What's What's the next step? What What do you want to achieve? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Uh, it's a funny question. That like when you when you're 15, 16 years old, I, I definitely wanted to be a world superbike champion or a MotoGP star. Yep. Um, now I I just really love racing in Australia. I love living on the Gold Coast. Living, living at home. Yeah. Um, the Australian Championship's really tough. I can make a moderate living out of it. Yeah. Um, now, my my goal now is to win as many Australian Superbike Championships as I can. Yeah. I want to be. I want to be the. When people talk about Australian Superbike, I want them to talk about how well I done in my career. So, um, obviously, if if the right ride come up in World Superbike, I would go and and race overseas. Yeah. Um, but at thirty two, they're just thirty two years old. They I seem so old now. They're all just so young. They're looking at kids. Oh, mm. and the kids are so fast. Like, you know, you see sixteen-year-old kids now that can ride a bike around a track as fast as I can with it, with the experience I've got. So, um, it's 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 hard to get overseas, and probably I'd I'd say it comes down to that I don't want it enough because I I haven't packed my bags up and gone. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm happy here racing in Australia, and next year Honda's got a brand new model bike which we've been waiting about five years for. Yeah. And um, that's my motivation now is to to make that bike go around the track as fast as I can and hopefully keep winning championships for Honda. So as a 32-year-old, realistically, how many years left? Oh, there's, I'm not even I, – I, I still believe I'm getting better every year. Um, I don't know if you guys know of Troy Bayless. He's a local guy that was yep. a World Superbike champion. Um, he made a comeback last year, mm. 48 years old, and, and I train with him – Every every now and again, and I've been on track with him. He was one of my main opponents last year. He was so fast and so fit, um, and he's only he stepped aside this year because he had a small crash, and and um, the guy that replaced him happened to win win the round, and and yep. now he's leading the championship almost. Ah, he's leading the championship. So, but Troy's still racing. He's fifty. He just turned fifty. Right. He's going to well. race a support race against us at MotoGP, and he's still really fast. So. Motorcycle race, like road racing, is not so much a sport where you've you're not so injury prone. It's and racing road bikes is more of a mental fight than a physical fight. I think. Oh so. yeah, I I was believe it or not, I was doing a bit of ironing last night, but I was trying to do a bit of prep for today, and I and I put on a YouTube clip of you going around 
the bend. Is it Talon Bend in, oh, yeah. in, in, in South Australia? I was getting woozy. Yeah. <laughs> I was standing too close to the screen. I was, I was started to get the sways, mate. I, I don't know how you do it. That was that's that's that is another world. Yeah, the bikes have got so much grip now. The tyres are so good. We like we get our elbows and stuff on the ground and. Um, but when you're on it, it doesn't feel like it, it looks on on yeah. onboard camera. But um, it's a yeah, it's a very big adrenaline rush. It's something you can't, I can't replace. So um, I don't get it from the push bike. It's a different sort of rush. But um, yeah, there's nothing like racing around a track with um, a couple other guys really close. It's pretty fun. So, so oh, you go big guy. No, I was just going to say you, you touched on it just before, but the mental side of obviously the motorcycle racing, like. And it's a common theme with the few guests that we've had in. They all talk about, you know, the mental part of their game and then it led into, when we had Whitey here, the, the mental part of him now being a businessman. But I'd imagine then in your your game that there'd be nothing. I mean, it'd be huge mental yeah. battle or, you know, mentally tough to get to that top level, elite level. Yeah, I, I think it it's the it's the biggest thing and I think um, that's where – you know they can they can keep bringing the younger younger guys through, but that's something you can't learn. I think you, yeah. you've got to have experience to to have that side sort of working for you. And I notice like things now seem so e- not easy, but it's so going to the next round. Even though the championships sort of come down to the wire and the pressure's on, there's I used to just think about everything, all these little silly things, and I'd work myself into the get my knickers in a knot and I'd, I'd be that nervous when the race day come around but as you get older you sort of work out you know what's important and and once you realize your best is good enough or you know you can't do any better you sort of get on with things and yeah it is the same in any sport I'd imagine you said you're coming from golf like that's that's the most frustrating sport in the yeah. game for the average person yeah it? I mean it's yeah it's it's it is listen like we've all the guys have all spoken about that you know that, and it's a it's a common theme amongst top athletes is that mental strength, I suppose, or that the belief in themselves and the the confidence in what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but I could imagine sitting on a bike. I mean, I've never done it, but sitting on a bike, two wheels doing three hundred kilometers an hour, you've got to be strong enough, mate. You've got. To, <laughs> <laughs> I'd need four wheels, <laughs> but you know, you've got to be. You've got to have a massive mental strength to be able to sit there on the bike and and do what these guys do. No doubt. It yeah. Is, yeah, they're a different. You're a different breed of people. I tell you right now, the biggest bike I ever got was on like a one two five ag bike, Suzuki ag bike. We used to ride it around. Uh, my brother's mates had a pineapple farm up oh, near, yeah. uh, up uh, sun, sunny coast sort of thing. But yeah, I couldn't couldn't yeah. imagine. Probably not a good topic, but you obviously you see all these big crashes and that on, you know on TV that people that follow. It. Have you had any serious accidents? I've never had any life-threatening accidents or even any very, very major injuries. Um, I've had a couple of big, fast crashes a few years ago and um, I was doing an event in Japan, an endurance race, and we were there for testing. Um, it's really hot over there and they wanted me to go out and do a race run and it was my first time using a, a camel pack and the straw just sits in your mouth there and it's really irritating and sort of claustrophobic feeling. And um, the front straight at Suzuka's downhill full gas it's like 280k an hour into turn one and um i've come into turn one and i've go from sixth gear down to fourth gear uh the gearbox broke and the bike locked the rear wheel up and i know you literally go off the throttle down the gear so you know i wouldn't have i had to have been doing 240k an hour minimum 250 maybe and um the bike flicked me off through the gravel trap and suzuka circuit in japan's 
the fences are too close. Um, I went into the air fence, in the air fence, under the air fence, and got stuck under there. I was winded. I broke some ribs, and the the camel pack thing was in my mouth. Oh, I was shit. feel like I was choking on it, and I, I was scared because I couldn't see, and that all the weight of the air fence on me. And wow. I remember thinking, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, what? Why am I over here doing this? I mean, I just want, yeah. And then, but yeah, I was okay. I, I had some broken ribs, but I was generally okay. But I remember thinking it was never going to end. I was mm. just tumbling and tumbling and tumbling. And because I got high sided over the top, I didn't slide. I was rolling. Yeah. Because generally you're crashing, you're that close to the ground, you're sliding your back and it feels like you're all went wild. It's great. You don't have any pain. The leather suits are so so good. You get up and it just feels like you've been on a big water slide. But this one, I just kept digging the knees and the elbows in and I was tumbling the whole way. Oh. And yeah, it definitely made me think about... It's brutal. Why, why am I doing this? But, yeah. I remember seeing a documentary a few years ago and it was Mick Doon and obviously he was talking about all his his uh, injuries and they were showing his body. It's, and it's brutal. Yeah, Some he, of the things that he had in his career. Oh, he just... He was definitely... Fingers and toes missing. Like and The school of hard knocks. Like the yeah. bikes he rode, they had a lot of power, but no electronic help at all. Uh, now the electronics play, play a lot. Like we, we've got the ability to have... You know, launch control, wheel stand control, trash control, engine brake control. You know, you can tune the bike. You can tune a MotoGP bike now, so you can just hold the bike full throttle on the edge of the tyre and it, it won't even spin the wheel. Whereas he come from mm. riding bikes with that much power um, but no help at all. So they were just getting flicked off all the time. And yeah, like crazy. He, yeah, the injuries he had was crazy. To be able to get up every weekend and go as fast as he did after having all them big crashes... He must be mental, not the mental strength. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Um, normally, producer Timmy sits over here behind all the dials. Uh, it's his birthday today, so happy birthday, Timmy. Happy birthday, Timmy. He's actually our resident bike rider, which is we were spewing when he couldn't make oh, it. Yeah. But um, he did. He, he, wanted, he wants to know what you think the future of bikes are. So obviously, uh, me and Dylan work, uh, and Timmy work in the electrical industry. So obviously, electric cars are being a big disruptor to, to our industry. Uh, obviously, how do you charge them? Where do you charge them? Uh, who pays for the charge? Um, and obviously, um, I've just bought my first hybrid, so I've, I've got a bat- big battery in the car. That ugly blue thing you saw out the front. <laughs> it's Titan's blue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the question is, where do you think? Where do you see the bikes going? You know, are, are, they're racing electric bikes already, but you know, mainstream. Do you, where do you see them? Yeah, it's hard. It, look. Actually, the the e GP class just started this year, and one of my good friends is one of the riders, and so I've talked to him a little bit about the bike. And I mean, you know, without making it sound like he hates it, it's it's not a it's not a MotoGP bike yet. Like they're they're still in early stages, but I think we can't avoid it, and it's it's unfortunate because it's you know, as a motorsport fan, you're drawn to motorsport. Mm. First thing is the sound, like yeah, you want to hear the engine and. Um, and I, I think it's going to be very different to ride an e-bike to a, a petrol-powered motorbike. The feeling will be a lot different and and it's really going to make it so much more important to have a good you know, computer guy to make the bike go good. Um, I don't know. I, I, at the moment, they're heavy and slow, so it doesn't appeal to me at all. I don't, yeah, I don't, right want, I don't want to go that way. But, I mean, obviously, with development, they're going to be 
really fast and probably lighter and, and it'll be good. But well, a bit different to cars where you can hide the battery somewhere where yeah. the bike, I suppose you got to, it's all, it's all on, you're sitting on top of it. So. Yeah. And they're so heavy and, and they only race them for eight laps because they run out of charge and they're really slow. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it's, at the moment it's just like, why, why are we doing that? But anyway, I think it's. I guess it'll evolve over time like, yeah. like the car has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you got any more questions? No, the only one I was going to say, growing up and obviously one always wanted to be a motorcycle guy, who was your idol? Who'd you look up to? Uh, Mick Dillon. Yeah. Yeah, Mick Dillon and Troy Bayless, so. You, you might have just pinched. I forgot to clue you up before the uh, show. We do three questions to finish when we have a special guest. Oh, yeah. So it's sort of like first thing that comes to your head, but, you know, we usually get dive into it when we like the answer. So, uh what we'll do, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into those. So first one is, um, where's your favourite place on earth to have a beer? Oh, favourite place to have a beer. Oh, there's probably a few places. I uh, I love it down in Bright, Victoria, in the summer. Yeah, beautiful um, spot. Yeah, and a bucket of Coronas down at Nobby's. Yeah, I like yeah. it. That's hard to beat. Yeah. Where would you have a beer down in Bright? The down at the Bright Brewery. Down at the brewery? Um, I didn't know there was a... Oh, last, yeah. I haven't been there for 20 years. Yeah, so. the Bright's got a massive brewery there. So, yeah, they've got a, a big selection of beer. Yeah, nice. Yeah. It's good there in the summer, actually. I have to check. Yeah, I was, we spent a few... Uh, we used to go down there um, when we were kids yeah. in the summer. So, it was pretty good. F- you'd go for a swim in the local creek. Freezing cold. So oh, yeah. It's December, still, January. Yeah, and it's yeah <laughs> still freezing. Icicles. Uh, second question. Favourite athlete of all time? Oh, um, I reckon I used to always say Lance Armstrong, but I feel so bad for saying that. <laughs> no, no, I I think not that I'm a massive tennis fan, but I just think Roger Federer is just the perfect sportsman. Yeah, uh, he's always Good fit. Cool. Uh, he's always motivated. He's always fair. Humble. He, he always does his best. Yeah. yeah. And last question. So uh, you can have four pe- any four people from history over for a barbecue and some beers. Who do you invite and what are you cooking? So alive or dead, doesn't matter. All right. Um, well, I'm going to say Lance because I, yep. I want to know all the cycling <laughs> stories. Um, my granddad, Wally. Yep. Um, he's passed away. Um, oh, maybe Valentino Rossi. Um, Anton Senna. Hey, Big one. Good. That's good. Yeah. That's cool. I like those. Uh, what I eat, sorry. I'd yeah, what are you cooking? What are you cooking? Well, I'm not a good cook, but I've got a Weber at home that I can't seem to go wrong on, so it'd be a butterfly chicken and some steak um, and a bit of salad. Perfect. Yeah. I like it. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, you better tell the, the people at home where they can find you on social media. Yeah. Troy Herfoss. 17 on Instagram, I think it is, and same on and Twitter. And um, on Facebook, there's a Troy Herfoss racing page where I put a lot of stuff on and all the dates of the races and results and, and what I'm up to. Um, but mostly Instagram, I think. And Strava, the cycling platform. Yeah. So I'm, right bit, on, I'm big on Strava, chasing KOMs every day, trying to beat Gwynny. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of weeks till the next race, you said? Yeah, 7th yeah, cool. and 8th of September down in Winton. That's the fifth round. And, um, yeah, it should be good. Good luck, mate. Well, all the best. We'll look forward to following along. Uh, everyone can find us at Beers and Banter. Uh, you know where we are. Uh, 
Thank you very much, Troy. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, thanks for mate. having me. Appreciate Cheers. It. Thanks, mate.